Welcome to the Sports Lodge, where sports, entertainment, and pop culture merge within the mind of your host, Roger Lodge. Hey, welcome into the Sports Lodge. My name is Roger Lodge, and you know, growing up here in Southern California, I have to admit, I was really spoiled throughout my childhood to have such a plethora of legendary sports announcers over the years. There was such a long period of time here on the left coast that we had icons like Vin Scully calling Dodger games, Dick Emberg screaming, oh my, during Angel and Ram games, the great Bob Miller was calling LA King hockey games, and of course, the one and only Francis Chick Hearn putting games in the refrigerator for the Los Angeles Lakers for a ridiculous unprecedented 3,338 games in a row. Think about that for a second. Chick did 3,338 Laker games without missing one. Absolutely incredible. And I don't know about you guys, but I just love listening or watching a game with a familiar voice, a voice that uh, not only we adore, but a voice that we trust. And I think that's really important. A guy that uh, will make you feel good about your team, but at the same time isn't afraid to rip into them a little bit when they're not playing well, or better yet, when they're not playing hard. And it was always so great to hear that voice, not only through all the good times, but also through the bad times. And when I was growing up with my handy-dandy little green transistor radio along with me wherever I went... I always had my best friends with me no matter what I was doing or where I was going, whether it was for a long walk or a drive with my family, or maybe I was just out in the backyard pulling weeds or cleaning the pool. And by the way, I would always score points with my mother when it came to the weekend chores because if the task was during the day, I knew I could take my little radio outside and I could easily catch Vin calling a Dodger game, Dick Emberg at the mic for an Angel game, or even a Ram game for that matter. And by the way, here's a little announcing little known fact. Dick Emberg and Don Drysdale had such good chemistry doing Angel games together that the two paired up to bring Southern California Rams football for three glorious seasons. And man, there was nothing better than the amazing voices of Scully, Enberg, Drysdale, Miller, and Chick Hearn describing the action and painting a picture so vivid that I always felt like I was sitting in the arena or in the stadium. So I wanted to have a conversation today here in the Sports Lodge about announcing for a team in a gigantic market like L.A., especially announcing for the most popular team, not only in Los Angeles, but in the world. And, of course, I'm speaking of the purple and gold, the L.A. Lakers, who draw sellouts not only at Staples Center here in L.A., but wherever they go. So today, here on the Sports Lodge podcast, I have summoned the presence of Laker TV play-by-play man and good friend of the Sports Lodge, Bill McDonald, who, by the way, will enter his eighth season at the microphone for the Lakers coming up here in 2019-2000. And we'll find out how much of a dream job this is for him since he grew up here in SoCal, a gigantic Laker fan. 
And we'll find out also how he landed the gig, what it was like to be around Kobe Bryant, and how that compares to being around LeBron James. So without further ado, here is the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers and my good friend, Bill McDonald. Billy Mack, how are you? Roger, you're the best. How's that? That's a good start, isn't it? That, that is That's a, a fantastic start. start here in the Sports Lodge. Good. Hey, I've never asked you this before. But okay, tell, ahead, tell me at what age a young Billy Mack says to himself, you know what, I really want to try to be a sports announcer, a host doing sports. When did you first have that thought? Um, it was probably when I was shooting baskets in the back. And You know, I watched a lot of sports growing up. And I just, you know, and we've often talked about this, Roger. We lived in the heyday of Chick Hearn and... Vin Scully and Dick Enberg and Tom Kelly and Fred Hessler and, you know, Bob, Bob Miller and Jiggs McDonald. I'm going on and on, right? And, you know, it was just so much fun listening to these guys, and you fell in love with the teams and you fell in love with the announcers. And when you're shooting baskets in the backyard and you're Jimmy McMillan or Jerry West or Elgin Baylor and, of course, you're Chick Hearn. And, you know, I just I thought, you know, if you can't play sports, it might be kind of fun to do that. But... You know, I didn't take it super seriously, probably, until, like, high school or college and figured maybe I can do it. But, you know, you probably did the same thing, didn't you, Roger? I mean, Without you know, when question. you're out there and you're back. Ex- exactly. Hey, you know, you know what we used to do in my neighborhood? One of our neighbors... One of our neighbors put up a hoop on the street. So it was literally, you had homes. It was like, a, it was a cul-de-sac. So you had right. you had homes on both sides of the street. So he put a basket in that that was like, we, we used the street for our court. And we had a free throw line and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And when the Lakers would play a game at night... And Chick would say, let's go down to the floor for the uh, pregame introductions. And then John Ramsey would say, for the Lakers tonight, starting at forward, number five from Columbia, Jim McMillan. Well, would my- you guys run out? Would you guys run out of the house and onto the court? That's exactly right. That's exactly ah! right. <laughs> so <laughs> I was always, always Jerry West. I was oh, I always got to be Mr. Clutch, so I'd run out there with it. And I had on my white T-shirt that said West on the back and number 44, the whole deal. But... Let me ask you this then, of the all of those brilliant announcers that you just mentioned and grew yes. up with, Billy Mack, which yes, one sir. which one turned you on more to the sport he was broadcasting just because of his style and his flair? There was two that I I remember growing up and just they kind of resonated with me more than anything else, only because I was fans of the teams that they were broadcasting. You know, Chick was obviously one of them because I'm a lifelong Laker fan. And the other one, and I mention him all the time, was Dick Enberg. Because growing up being not only a Rams fan, but also an Angels fan, Dick Enberg was the voice of the And plus he was doing UCLA basketball. Come on. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, Vin was always as lyrical and as good as it gets. And, you know, Vin was doing all kinds of other sports, too. He wasn't just confined to the Dodgers. Man, Vin was all over the networks doing football and golf and everything else. Um, and then, of course, we had some of the great college announcers also. But, you know, it was Chick and it was Dick and it was those two guys that really, for the most part, it was just, you know, those those were my guys. Those were my guys. And now, of course, I get to do the Lakers, which is pretty darn cool. Thank you very much. And we still have, what, 50 days until the season begins or something like that? Come on, the summer is crawling along. It's unbelievable. And when you're listening to Chick Hearn, 
as a youngster, and maybe you have your little yes. transistor radio tucked under your pillow like I did when I was supposed to be asleep at night, but did, were you saying to yourself even back then, oh, man, this is what I want to do. I want to announce games like Chick is doing. Does anybody even know what a transistor radio is anymore? Probably I mean, not. Just... <laughs> and we all had different ones, didn't we? Different yes, colors. of course. Yes, different sizes, and they're all super trebly and tinny. Yep. I mean, you could never get any good bass out of those things. I mean, that was like, you know, I know. Um, yeah, you know, I just, nobody did it better than Chick. He sold basketball to Southern California. Yeah, you did. I mean, as much as the players did, Chick's cadence and the way he delivered a game and brought his words eye view, that was as, uh, as good as it ever got. And, you know, and then we were, like I said, blessed with everybody else who I mentioned, too. So you, you, you hate to single anybody out because everybody was so darn good. Thank you. It's, uh, so, you know, we think about that kind of stuff on holidays and during the summer. And, you know, and so, uh, by the way, I know you're working on Labor Day, and I know a lot of other people are too, but stay cool, do your thing, you know, and you'll get a day off when everybody else is working, and then you can have some fun and relax also. What was the biggest obstacle you ever had to overcome to get to where you are now? Biggest obstacle? Um. At first, when you're going over, first of all, yeah, the inexperience factor. How about that? People thinking you're not ready for something when you think you're totally ready to do it. That's why no matter what you do in life, um, get as much experience as you can. Don't say no. Say yes. Go out and get some experience. Meet people. Work with different people. Be nice. Don't be one of those meanies out there. So the, the two things I always say to people is be as nice as you can to everybody and just be yourself. So sometimes the biggest obstacle is just that people thinking you're not ready. And you know what? Sometimes you're not, and you think you are, but you're not. So you just kind of have, kind of hang in there, and the perseverance will get you hopefully where you want to be. Hey, Billy Mac, I have found the last couple of years especially, kids coming out of college, and the, you know, I get, and I'm sure you get the same thing, a lot of people send right. you emails or tweets or whatever, I want to do what you do, How you know, give me some advice how to break into the industry. And I tell guys, just get in at a TV station, a radio station, whether you're getting paid or not, just go get in there and show them how valuable you can be. And don't just wear one hat. Whatever whatever they want you to yeah. do, go do it. But so many kids coming out of college these days have said to me, oh, I can't do that. I need at least, you know, 50 grand a year to start. It's crazy to me how entitled a lot of the young guys are these days. Do you find that as well? Well, I don't know about, uh, you know, the entitlement and the craziness in that fact, but I, I hear what you're saying. You know, whenever I talk to people, and it's not necessarily even uh, aspiring sportscasters, I just ask anybody, if you meet them and they're talking to you, and like, I, like what do you want to do? Like, what turns you on? What's your passion? Do you want to be a ballet dancer? Do you want to be a chef? You know, do you want to be a, 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 a car driver? What, whatever it is. And I say, if it's financially possible, because I know a lot of times people go to work, and they do what they have to do because it's not financially possible. And I get that. And you've got to make ends meet. And that's really one of the most important things, whether it's for yourself or for your family or whatever. That's super important. But if you have the means, just go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, maybe take a second job, but follow your pursuit and try to get that as your career also. So, yeah, do it for little money. You're not going to make a ton of money. That is true, Roger, what you just said. There's so many times I did things for nothing. 
seriously was getting paid nothing or very minimal. And you kept thinking to yourself, man, am I ever going to make a living doing this? And sometimes and hopefully and, you know, one thing leads to another. And then all of a sudden you're making a living and then you're, you know, you're, you're kind of doing what you want and you're making money doing it. So, right, a lot of it is patience, perseverance, right place, right time, but also just going for it, you know. And, yeah, don't anybody ever feel entitled or that you're bigger than anything. You know, don't ever think that any job is too little for you. You know, if somebody asks you to do it, do it. Or if it's going to help you get ahead, do it. You know, and just, you know, because there's other people busting their butt trying to probably do the same job that you think you might think you're bigger than. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, of course it makes makes brilliant sense. And the fact that, okay, the first time and that's I, in not just in broadcasting, that's in anything. In, that's in anything. In any walk of life. Absolutely. Anything. I, anything. Might, I might not be the most talented guy in the room or the best looking or the youngest. Oh, don't, but, don't tell yourself short, Roger. You're for sure the best looking. But I guarantee you in this industry, no one's ever going to outwork me, Billy Mac. No one's going to outwork me or out-research me. No one's going to do that better than I do. And that's the one thing yeah, you can, yeah, I bring right, to the table. Yeah, you can tell when you're like, you know, you're doing the Angel pregame show and you got numbers after numbers after numbers and you have great. <laughs> oh, no. But no, but are, you tell, is, are you telling me? I... No, no, no. I'm going to give you a compliment. <laughs> You've got great recall. You've got some of the best recall ever of anybody. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not just talking about numbers or stats. I'm just talking about events or people or things that happened or different in, in the world of sports and in entertainment, too, or just in life. And I think that's a, a really good attribute that that you have you can recall things although i surprised myself when you asked me do you remember this and then i do and i'm like yeah i guess i remember that also um but you know for anybody who's a a loyal sports lodge listener yeah you got roger lodge he's he's got that 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 brain of his that can just turn it right on and remember everything that sometimes we all forget when did you start thinking that there might be a shot that you might be taking over as Laker, you know, you're basically taking over for the greatest to ever yeah, do. Never, yeah, never looked at it that way. Um, every step, I was just super grateful for what I, I was being afforded. Um, you know, when I got to do Laker pre and post game shows, you know, I was doing all kinds of other pre and post game shows too. You know, a lot of a lot of the other teams. And when I got a chance to do it, I was like incredibly thrilled with that. Like, oh my god, I'm doing pre and post game for the Lakers. I'm doing something for the Lakers. You know, you always kept in the back of your mind, it would be great someday, but, you know, there was people in those spots, you know, and the one thing you don't do is you root to go ahead of anybody. If, if something falls into place, that's great. And then, you know, when I did the 81-point game and I got a chance to work with Stu because Joel was on assignment, it was like, man, I did my game and that was it, you know? And it was like, I was so incredibly excited about that. Um, you know, I was thinking my dad would have been happy about that and, it was just great to sit in chick's seat. And then when one thing led to another and, you know, and I was about to do the radio and then something happened with the contract with somebody else and then I got a chance to do the television, it was just, you know, you just took the opportunity and I went for it and it, to this day it's worked out and hopefully it'll work out for a few more years, so at least. For, every, for everybody listening who's not familiar with what you just talked about, you filled in for Joel Myers, who was probably out on a football assignment. and on that, He was doing a, the championship football game on the radio, the NFL, NFC championship game. And I that night, Kobe goes off for 81 points against the Toronto Raptors. And I'll never forget your line at the end of that game. And an 81-point game for Kobe. 
The sim- yeah, the 55, sim- 55 in the second half. That's what I said. 81-point game, 55 in the second half. 55 in the second half. Yeah, you know, it's just you take that opportunity, and I thought that was going to be it. And then, like I said, one thing led to another. And, um, you know, I was going to do the radio, and then they presented myself to do the TV. And so I got a chance to do that. And now Stu and I are getting ready to tee it up again. What's the one thing about Kobe's 81-point game that you'll never forget that night? What? Um, yeah, um, you know, uh, it was a different time. You were making it sound like we were, like, in covered wagons or something. But, <laughs> you know, there, there, there wasn't... You know, the, the, the Twitter verse wasn't really as rampant. It was just getting started, I think. And, um, you know, the 60 point game was crazy to end his career. It was almost as thrilling. It was just equally as, as, as fun to do, just different circumstances. Um, I just remember thinking, man, is this really happening? Cause it was that nondescript Sunday night in January. Neither team was going to do anything that season, but it just came out of nowhere in the second half. And I just remember Stu being excited and, I remember just everybody, just all of a sudden the word I know was spreading around cell phone-wise with text messages and everything else. And I could feel the excitement, and I, you know, I, I, I sensed how big the moment was, just not only by the crowd but by my partner, Stu, at that time, who you know, was one of my idols. You know? he, he had you know, worked with Chick all those years, so he was the, you know, the conduit to, to Chick. He was that link to, to Chick Hearn, and just to be sitting next to him, man, that was Kind of awe-inspiring. He'd laugh about that now if I said it to him. But um, yeah, you know, it was just what a night to be able to be there. And I'm I'm so happy I was prepared and, and ready to go. And hopefully it was exciting and it was it was fun for everybody, like it was fun for me. That was Kobe's night. You know, it wasn't my night. It wasn't Stu's night. It wasn't anybody. That was Kobe's night. We were just eavesdropping on it. Do you, looking back at that night, now take that night as that was pretty much my audition and they kept me in mind when Chick's seat became open? You know, it was a few years later, so I don't know if, quote, they kept me in mind, but I think what that proves, and again, this goes with with anything that we were just talking about, not saying no, getting reps in with whatever you want to do in, in, in your life, that they realized that I could do it. You know, once you just prove to somebody that, hey, well, that guy can do it, you know, and he didn't, you know, there was a lot of pressure. You know, people got to understand, as, as everybody knows, the Lakers have a lot of eyeballs on them. Right, Roger? Sure. Like millions of them. So there's, there's always that responsibility for the brand and the franchise and, of course, to uphold the legacy of Chick and, uh, you know, just the fact that I grew up a Laker fan. So, you know, that's that's. I, I forget the original question because <laughs> I, I get I'm ra- yeah, I promise not to ramble. I promise not to ramble. And what am I? I'm rambling. I'm rambling. Hey, Billy Mack, could, couldn't we make a case? Couldn't we make yes, a sir. case that Kobe's 81 was more impressive than Wilt's 100? Let me tell you why, real quick here. Because. Okay. Never really thought about that or compared them, but I want to hear what you have to say. Because Wilt's 100 kind of became a clown show. Because, you know, the, his teammates, his Philadelphia Warrior teammates down the stretch of that game were fouling the Knicks intentionally so they could get the ball back and throw it to Wilt. So it be kind of it kind of became a circus down the stretch. Well, yeah, when he was trying to hit the century mark, yeah, I get yeah. it. I mean, when you're looking at Kobe's great scoring games, I know a lot of people will even 
talk about the, uh, was it 62, 63 points, 61, when he outscored Dallas in three quarters. Right. And if that had been a close game, um, you know, you could pretty much bet that he would have bettered 81. So in three quarters to get 60-plus and outscore the other team, that's probably just as impressive. And, and I know that Kobe has said this numerous, numerous times, that he thinks obviously it's completely capable for somebody to do it in this day and age. You know, they've got to be physically fit and right and healthy, and it's got to be that combination that you're not going to be out of the game. Um, but it's, it's certainly possible to happen again, you know, with the three-point line and the, the way that the, the game has opened up and some of the prolific scores in the game. I would not be shocked if it happens. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year. I'm not going to say it's going to be Harden or Durant or Steph or any of those guys. They're all capable, and there's probably, you know, a dozen other guys that could do it, even more, you know, given, given a hot night. But, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's going to happen, I think, at some point. And no matter what happens, something like that is going to be impressive. But I'm sure Wilt is turning over right now thinking, you're calling my effort a clown show? <laughs> Well, I think that's... Hey, Will, hey, Will, that was Roger, not me. <laughs> hey, that was Roger, not and, me. and Kobe's 81. The Lakers were down at the half, so Kobe brought yes. you guys back that night, remember? Yeah, needed every needed every single, basically, point. Um, and, they, they, you know, the Lakers were looking for him, and he was firing it up, and he shot the ball a ton of times, but he's red hot. And, you know, you, you go deep inside that game and the stories, and, you know, you can believe one thing or another about... Uh, you know, why didn't Toronto ever double-team them? Or if they did, it was not that much. You know, they were trying to take them on one-on-one. But Kobe did handle some double-teams that time. And, again, it wasn't that great of a Laker team. And Kobe had a bunch of huge scoring nights that night. Huge scoring nights. Not that night, that season, I mean. And uh, that was just one of them. And, yeah, I mean, he, they, they were behind in the second half. And, like I said, an 81-point game, 55 in the second half. Just let that resonate a little bit. That was a ton of points, and they won the game. And it's a game a lot of NBA fans will absolutely never forget. Love oh, my yeah. co- love talking to Bill McDonald. Billy Mack, of course, the voice of the Lakers. And what will you take away most of your time around Kobe Bryant while you were the Laker broadcaster? Um, That I was just the, the fortunate um, circumstances that I was able to announce during what were still some of his good years. And then, of course, being there when he uh, was hurt and then battled back, uh, just to realize how he would grind it out, how much the fan base adored him. That's, you know, you take that away. But just getting to, getting to know him. You know, it's cool to get to know these guys while they're still, like, playing at a Hall of Fame level. And, you know, I, I, I run into him occasionally now. You know, he's so busy, and his office is still down this way, and he still lives this way. I don't see him that often. Um, but it's great. He's in a completely different place. I just want everybody to know that. Not in a good or bad way, either, either or. It's just so, so relaxed, um, super busy, so into his, uh, daughter's basketball team and all of his projects. And, um, just, you know, he's in just a really happy place for him, family wise and, and work wise. And just don't, don't even, you know, I know people are still holding out. Oh, hey, he can come back and play. Kobe, we miss you. Well, yeah, they miss him, but he ain't coming back. He's just hes too comfortable being retired right now. Was Kobe Bryant a good teammate? You know, I, look, I, I'm not somebody that can answer that. I, I think he made a lot of other guys better. Did he shoot it a lot? <laughs> and maybe not pass as much, perhaps. But 
look, when you were a teammate with Kobe, he's a good teammate for a couple of reasons. He's going to make you known because he made the brand of the Lakers even more than it was. I mean, and it's the best brand that it can be. And whenever Kobe is with you, you got a chance to win a championship. And if you're a teammate with a guy that can help bring you a title, a ring, the pinnacle of whatever you're doing in sports, you can't say that that's a really bad teammate, can you, Roger? No. You know, it's just like, just say what you want about LBJ. You know, LeBron, you know, he can bring you a championship. The fact that those two guys, AD and LeBron, are on the same team this year, and, you know, we can argue supporting cast with other teams, you know, if you're a team on that Laker and you're a teammate, you better say that those guys are good teammates because they got a really good chance this year of not only getting you back in the playoffs, but of bringing you a ring and a title. Um, you're going to get that chip perhaps this year, and it's going to be because maybe because of those two guys. And that makes them fun to play with, I think. Who's the guy on the Lakers right now? The team that right you now. right now that you are the play-by-play voice for when you when you talk about the greatest competitors the game has ever known and Michael Jordan the stories are legendary Larry Bird Magic Johnson Kobe Bryant give me the Laker right now who's in the ballpark with those guys when it comes to a pure competitive nature well when you look at it I mean. The, the roster, first of all, Roger, has turned over so much. Um, I've never followed AD on a regular basis, right? We don't, you, you never know what a guy is like until you literally see him play every single night. Every night. And who's back on this team that we saw play every night? Rajan? Um, Kuz? KCP? And LBJ? That's about it, right? I know I'm missing somebody, and I apologize for whoever I'm Alex Caruso. There's another guy who's coming back. Um, you know, and look, I know LBJ is so polarizing, as was Kobe. And a lot of people give LeBron crap about not being a hard worker. The dude works hard, and he's super competitive, and he wants to win. Does he have a ton of other things going on? Yes, he does. Um, is he trying to copyright labels that have been around forever? Yes, he is. That's kind of funny, by the way, that whole Taco Tuesday thing. Um, but uh, it's, he's super competitive. I'd probably have to go with LeBron, right? I, I, I would think, because you're asking me current Lakers right now on this roster, I'd have to go with, with LBJ. And when you talk about so, and when you talk about guys working hard, the recent uh, you know, I don't even think it's a feud, but the little chatter going between Kobe and Shaq and Kobe saying that Shaq listen to me. He, listen, stop. Okay. Listen, How listen, hard of a worker was Shaq? That's what stop. I want to know. Okay. I, I don't know. I wasn't around. But if you if anybody ever listens to the pre- and the post-game show on TNT. We all do, correct? Yep. Pre, post-game, halftime, Charles, Kenny, EJ, Shaq. How many times do does Shaq and Charles disrespect each other, get in each other's faces, give each other so much crap? All the time, right? All yep. the time. Constantly. Constantly. So was there a little back and forth between Shaq and Kobe right now? Yes. Those guys, you know, I don't know because I'm not those guys, but they've made so much peace compared to how it was, Raj, as you know, like recently. And like Kobe said, look, it's all good. And I, I really do believe that. I think people made more than that than they. Kobe was just, when you read between the lines of what Kobe said, and I listened to a lot of what that was, he was praising Shaq so much, like the most dominant player of all time. He said, 
like when he was playing, the most dominant player. He couldn't stop him. And Shaq has admitted at times that maybe he didn't work it as much as, as, as he should have. So, you know, I, look, to what level, I don't know. But I think those guys have made peace. Don't make a big deal of, out of whatever that was. It's certainly not a feud. But, you know, Shaq himself said, I'll be there when I need to be there. And sometimes maybe he wasn't. But, again, Raj, I wasn't around during all that. I wasn't even doing the three of the postgame show. That was all. Um, I just handled some of the parades and filled in occasionally. I remember Sunday was doing the pre and the post, and Chicken was still there doing the play-by-play along with Stu. So I, I, I didn't get the chance to see Shaq every single night like that. One of my favorite, probably I think it was usually about eight to ten minutes of television ever Shaq. was you what? when you would sit down with Phil Jackson before oh, the Lakers games, and that was such great television because you never knew what Phil was going to give us. What do you remember most of your well, weekly it, visits it with the Zen Master? A lot of things. It's, it's just, it, you know, it was Philosophy 101. And if you're not familiar with it, Phil would come and do like a five minute segment and we would tape it. And then it would air during the pregame show at, at some point during the pregame show. And I remember so many things that, you know, Phil, I, you can't bury this fact. He was getting paid for it. You know, he didn't come in just on his own cognizance <laughs> and say, man, this is the greatest thing. Although he did really enjoy it. That dude was getting a nice check for coming in there and doing it. Um, but he enjoyed it, and he enjoyed it because we didn't take it super seriously. We covered a, a, a billion different topics. We had fun. Hey, we got called into the principal's office so many times for that pregame show. Like, what are you doing? you got to reel yourself in. But the, the thing that I remember is the crew that I work with, we, and, and so many of the guys are still there. I'd say 95% of the guys. I'm talking behind the scenes, camera guys, audio, uh, stage managers. Uh, just guys that work with our telecast, guys that work with the Lakers. We would pack that little room. It was a tiny little room, and guys would blow in there just to be in there because they wanted to be in there when Phil was there because Phil would banter back and forth with all of us, not just me. Phil would come in. You could always try to read his mood, but we always would try to get him in a better mood. And I think literally, if you ask Phil Jackson about that, I would guarantee 100%. He would nod and have this little bemused smile. You know that smile that oh, yeah. used to always have? That little smile, and he would say, yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. And then he'd probably wink and say, and you know I was getting paid, you know, the whole time. Probably that, too. But it was, it was great. I, I got, we bonded a pretty good little friendship um, together during that time, and, and we looked forward to it. And I got, a lot, got to know about the man himself a lot and, and about what kind of a basketball coach he was also during all those years. Good times. Really fun. If you were if you were walking around in Newport Beach this afternoon and you ran into Phil Jackson coming out of a restaurant, how long is the, have, it, uh, how long is the conversation for, between you guys? Depends on how busy we were. Um, it would be it would be a few minutes because we'd have to catch up. He without question wouldn't be wearing any kind of shoes. <laughs> neither one of us would. <laughs> If you want to know the, the one thing that is, I'd be in sandals. I'd be in my rainbow sandals. I don't know which color rainbow sandals. And he'd be in some sort of other sandals. And we'd both be very dressed very casually. And thus the conversation would be extreme. We'd laugh about the fact that we ran into each other. And if it was in Newport Beach, I'd go, what are you doing here? That would be the first and foremost. <laughs> but we would, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would depend. If we had a few minutes, we'd sit down and reminisce and talk. But, uh, for sure, it would be a, it would be a warm hello, and it, it's it's kind of fun because that's the way it is with me and Kobe. We don't talk a long, long, long time, but it's always 
like really, really nice and really fun when we run into each other and get a chance. And, and that's part of just being in the business and being around people and being around coaches and being a, getting a chance to work with different people. Um, and I'm talking with all walks of be it your crew or coaching staffs or individuals in the front office or different broadcasters. You know, when, what, what do players say they miss the most, Roger, when they leave the game? What do they miss the most? Probably what I miss most about hosting America's favorite dating show, Blind Date. It wasn't what took place. It wasn't what took place or what I said on the set or what joke that I wrote for that particular date. It was just screwing around with the crew while we were shooting Blind Date. Me holding up shooting because we were playing baseball trivia in between shots. It was going out to lunch with everybody and just being silly. And the relationships that I built throughout the entire run of Blind Date, that's what I'll miss the most. Think about anybody if you have a good job that you really like. Really like it. And I'm talking to anybody right now listening, and no matter where you are, what you're doing, what you do for a living here on Labor Day. And if you really like your job, maybe you actually like it. See, I'm fortunate that I actually like to broadcast basketball games, too. But you can love a job and not really like it that much. And you sit back and you think, why do I like this so much? And maybe it's because of the people that you work with. You know, so many times people are going to think, oh, man, I love my job. And you know what? Because it's the people that you're around. And it makes it so much better. Hopefully you do have good coworkers that you enjoy being with and are good workers with you. Because when you leave the game, when players leave the game, they miss that journey. They miss being with all everybody. They miss the locker room. Absolutely. And when I miss everything that I did in Fox Sports and everything else, I just miss all the people. And when I get a chance to see them again, that's the best part. When we get to reunite and see each other, no matter how long the occasion is, when we, when we have the chance to say hello again. So you leave Fox Sports, and now you're doing Lakers. And how cognizant were you when you first started doing Laker games? Okay, I can't copy Chick. I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be Chick. Was that a big part of it? Uh, you can't help yourself, but you don't want to do too much of it because then people would just call you carbon copy. That's where the be yourself comes. If you grew up in Southern California and you're calling a baseball game and you listen to the Dodgers for 30-something years, you're probably going to have some Vin Scully in you, correct? Uh, if you listen to Joe Buck, uh, in St. Louis or whatever, and you come and you do the Dodgers, now you're going to probably have some Joe Buck in you. Um, you know, and so I probably had a combination of Dick Enberg, Chick, and Bob Miller, and like I said, Tom Kelly, and, and, and everybody else. And um, you try not to do too much. That's why I'll never do the, you know, it's in the refrigerator, the lights out. That was Chick's one and only. You know, well, I, you'll say slam dunk. You'll say dribble drive. You'll say, you know, in the popcorn machine, maybe occasionally yo-yo up and down with the dribble, things like that, things that you don't even realize that was Chick's calling. But, um, you know, you can't just be – and plus, here's something different for everybody who's out there who, you know, is watching sports these days and, and listening to announcers. Um, you know, back then, Chick was doing a simulcast. You know, so he had to do the radio and the television. So if you're listening to John Ireland – he has got to do more of that because that's just the radio. He doesn't have, he's not having any pictures that augment it. Stu and I are doing it. And, you know, you assume that somebody's actually watching it. Um, so it's that fine line of, you know, calling the game, but not maybe calling it too much. And that's where you really want to draw the line. Maybe not trying to imitate Chick, but just trying to do that balance between radio and television because you're not doing a simulcast anymore. 
He is the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers and a dear friend. He is Bill McDonald. Billy Mac. can't tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation. My Roger, man. I cannot believe I followed the rules today, by the way. <laughs> I completely... I told you I was going to follow the rules. I didn't realize or have any idea what we were going. I said, are we teaching a class right now? I'm thinking, what are we doing? Are we doing a This Is Your Life? You were awesome. You were you awesome. Say, I, had about, I got about 5,000 other things that other than myself that I would have rather talked about. Trust me. So you got to promise me we, next time we do this, we're going to talk about other things. Promise? You got it. It's a promise. You have my word, Billy Mac. All right. All right. Thanks, Raj. Thank you, brother. There he is, everybody, following the rules here in the Sports Lodge. My good friend Bill McDonald, a TV voice of the Los Angeles Lakers. Just one in the long line of great announcers that I have listened to in Southern California over the years. And how about where you live? I've been yapping for the past 40 minutes or so, along with Billy Mack, of course, on our favorite announcers growing up. How about where you live? Did you grow up in New York? Were you a Marv Albert guy, Lindsey Nelson? How about you in Chicago? Harry Carey, Steve Stone? What do you got for me, Chicago? Detroit, Ernie Harwell? Or maybe you grew up uh, up in the Bay on the left coast and Bill King was your guy. Who was the announcer that always had you tuning in? Let me know on Twitter at the Sports Lodge. That is at the Sports Lodge on Twitter. Can't wait to hear your stories. Again, at the Sports Lodge on Twitter. And that'll do it for this edition of the Sports Lodge podcast. My name is Roger Lodge. We'll do it again soon. Thanks for listening to the Sports Lodge podcast on the Global Story Network. See ya! The Sports Lodge with Roger Lodge was brought to you by the Global Story Network.